You're gonna need a bigger boat. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And now, today... we get started today, Adam... Okay. I wanted to give a couple quick shout-outs real quick. All right. As, as you know, we're on all the socials, the Facebook, Twitter, the Facebook. There the I go Facebook. again, Adam. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, and you probably noticed lately I've been uh, trying to highlight some smaller podcasts. And uh-huh. one of those was a podcast called Married Conversations. Oh. And, yeah, it's uh, I think it's ran by Tokyo Jameson, I think is what he goes by on Twitter anyway. Uh-huh. But he took notice of it, and he gave us a shout-out on his last podcast last week, and I wanted to return that favor real quick. Cool. The husband-wife duo that get together and do a podcast, so that's pretty cool. And then I know we threw it in at the – End of the show last week, but I wanted to put it on at the top. I want to give a big shout out to Jeff Hunt on the Jeff Needs Help podcast. Yes, that was a, that was a fun interview. Yes. We had a lot of fun doing that. That was a lot of fun, and I want to make sure, in case somebody turned it off early, they get to hear it right at the beginning. Right, right. Go check it out. We did an interview on there. He's got interviews with other podcasts. Everybody needs to check that out. Yes, definitely. Jeff Needs Help. Well, I think we need some help right now because in case you haven't noticed, the sound quality is a little bit different than what we're used to. We are, we're not under total lockdown. Like I think in Kansas city right now, they're under, um, what's it called? Like shelter in place, basically meaning like, unless it's an absolute necessity, don't leave your house. Uh, we're not there yet, but we are practicing social distancing right now. (laughs) For the for the first step, and also practicing for our future. Yeah, yeah, pra- practicing for future interviews. Hopefully, if we can get some of those going too. Um, that uh, we are you know, for the first time ever, we are not even in the same house recording. We are not even in the same room. Uh, so we are recording via Zoom right now. So hopefully, this works out. I think it will. But today we are finishing up the month of. Uh, March. We don't really have a St. Patrick's Day uh, themed movie, but it does ac- accidentally kind of tie into the other two or two of the other movies we talked about this week or this month. Uh, now I know, Josh, yes, you does. you did that on purpose. You you wanted to set up a Warwick Davis double feature. I did. I mean, Adam, you remember when we first decided on this podcast? This was like one of the first movies I said, I'm finally going to make you watch this. And uh-huh. it only took me seven months to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just had a lot going on and we still do have a lot going yes. on. I was, I was afraid yes. we were going to run out of movies real quick, but no, we're still, we, we've, I've still got a list about a mile long for you to watch. <laughs> but today we I are talking. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> yeah. But today we are talking about a film from 1988 written by George Lucas and Bob Dahlman. Directed by Ron Howard, starring Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, actually, and at the time, Joanne Wally Kilmer, they met on the set and got married oh. for a little while. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. And Warwick Davis. 
Today yeah, we are he talking get about, top billing. That's bullshit. Yeah, he really should because he is the star of the show. We are talking about Willow. <clears throat> um, and yeah, like I said, we accidentally set up a, a double feature here because last last week's episode we talked about Kill the Irishman, which also had Val Kilmer. I just I think it's so funny to see Val Kilmer in two very different parts of his career, two very different yeah, places. Very so. <laughs> Completely agreed. Completely different uh, looking person. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was one of the first things I thought when I saw Kill the Irishman. I was like, whoa, that's Val Kilmer? He's put on a few pounds. But I really can't say oh. anything about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Neither oh. can I, Adam. So according to, I guess it was Wikipedia, this movie had a budget of $35 million. Oh, I didn't get the yes. Rotten Tomatoes scores. Did you get those? I do. The Rotten Tomato critic score is 50%. Ooh. The audience score is up to 79%. Okay. Because, yeah, I forget. I think it was, um, was it when we talked about our top five favorite bad movies, you mentioned Willow or something, and I was like, but I thought this was like a beloved classic movie. I mean, I always remember seeing it like at the video store or at Walmart, you know, on the shelves. I just never actually watched it. Um, right. Yes, okay. I did bring it up, yes. All so right. you said the budget was 35. Do you have the gross? I have the domestic gross at 57.2 million and worldwide made 110. Yeah, and see that's where that's where that movie made its money is with the international and home video thereafter. Really? Which was something back in the 80s you didn't hear a lot of. You know, a lot of times you would just hear the domestic total. Cuz I mean 35 million especially in 88, that's pretty expensive. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And at $57 million, I mean, yeah, it came in above budget, but it didn't even double its budget. So it really took that international and the home video release to really make this a success. That's interesting. Uh, I, did, did it I know say I like, had it on VHS. Did it say, like, where specifically, if there was, like, a certain region of the world that loved it more than others? or uh, I didn't see anything about that, so I don't know. Okay. That is interesting. Another thing I thought was interesting was whenever I, I, I got to watch this movie, thank goodness, because I have Disney Plus, and Disney Plus has freaking everything right now. Yay. Um, <laughs> yay, Disney Plus. Now, I love, first of all, I got to say, this movie is PG. Wow. This is a hard yeah. PG. <laughs> there is shit in this movie. Really is. There is shit in this movie that if it happened today, it would be PG 13 at best. Yeah, easily, yes. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, Disney Plus says rated PG for depictions of smoking. I mean, remember, yes, depictions of smoking. Remember when we watched Looney Tunes growing up? They smoked like chimneys in those cartoons. Uh, Yeah, that was was nothing back then. Yeah, it was nothing. And I don't know why it's such a big freaking deal now. Now now it'll be like, you know, depictions of vaping or, you know. What, what did it say in the Midsommar IMDb? You know, a oh, man I is think seen that's what vaping. you said it said. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a man seen vaping constantly. <laughs> that's how it worded it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst thing you're going to see in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse. Oh, but um, now there were a lot I do of... have one could... Oh, who could have been? Yeah, I got, I got one. Mm-hmm. Someone could have been Mad Mardigan. Who? If you had to take a guess, who do you think it would be? Uh, it's going to be random. 
I don't know. Um, trying to think of who's a, who would a Val Kilmer type have been? Like maybe Keanu Reeves? I don't know. No, it's John Cusack. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he still cites this as his biggest disappointment of not getting this role. No way. Really? Yes. That's I so was funny. Like, that is crazy. That, well, I, I think it's – I mean, it, at, least, at least it's not one of those where, you know, he missed a role and then go, oh, thank God I missed that one, you know. I think I think it's funny whenever uh, whenever you you know like you find out what uh, what roles actors and actresses look back on and go man I wish I'd gotten that role. I mean he at least tried for right. it and just didn't get the part right. Right. Yes, he did audition. It wasn't like Will Smith turning down the Matrix for Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't one of those situations. He attempted, but I think he was seen in like like teen 80s comedies i guess like say uh, anything one crazy summer stuff like that so well, what what were some of the movies val kilmer had been in up until this point that's true i mean i guess i mean top gun yeah top gun that's the only i mean what was that one real genius something like that i don't think i know about that one uh, i don't think i've ever seen it but so when you watch this do you get a uh do you get the correlation between this and another George Lucas movie or series, if you will? Uh, yeah, there were some definite Star Wars vibes. But for me, I was thinking about, you know, the, the book of Exodus and the story of, you know, baby Moses and whatnot. That's what I was thinking of. Um, ah, okay. And then it also made me think of a Blazing Saddles. You've seen Blazing Saddles, right? Yes. Okay, because there's that one scene where the um, where Slim Pickens is talking to the to the bad guy, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to run this town out, you know. And the guy and, and Slim Pickens says, "I know what we can do. We can kill the first born, first male born child in every household." And the bad guy goes, "Too Jewish." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there were okay. some there, there were some parallels I was drawing there. Uh, another movie that this make, one makes me think of was uh, was Crawl. Did you ever see Crawl? I did, I did not. I saw it one time when I was really little, but I still remember parts of it. Um, it, just, it was just that, you know, yeah, 1980s. It was just that 1980s kind of epic fantasy setting. Um, now, I'd like to know, do you have any idea where this movie was shot? Some, uh, I think a small portion was in California, but most of it was either New Zealand, Wales, the UK. Okay. Not around here. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, there, there's, there's a specific scene in the movie where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw that place in a Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Well that was probably the New Zealand then. Probably. Interesting. So, um, I was hoping it was shot in Ireland just so I could still make that oh, connection. Okay. Right. Right. I looked it up and I was like, Oh, it is foreign, but not Ireland. Not Ireland. Okay. Well, it, it's so funny having seen Warwick Davis as the leprechaun, as Lep, and now seeing him as this lovable good guy character of Willow. And that, that's, I, I, that, that, that's some range right there. <laughs> and you said, and just to think, he was 17 years old when he filmed this movie. Yeah, I cannot believe that he was only 17. That's crazy. Now, yeah, I think he did end up in, um, I, I guess this is how he got connected with George Lucas was in uh, when, when he, I think he got signed on as like a, an, an extra or an understudy in uh, 
in the Return of the Jedi, and the person who was supposed to play Wicket couldn't do it. I don't know if he got injured or got sick or what, but they got then they got Warwick Davis to play him. So that had to have been pretty cool for someone who was what a, a Star lucky Wars. Break. Yeah, lucky break. <clears throat> Very lucky break. Someone who was a fan of Star Wars to get to be in a Star Wars movie like that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I would say so. So this movie starts out with, you know, plenty of stuff to read. You know, tap, you know it's, it's, what does it say? It is a time of dread. Seers have foretold the birth of a child who will bring about the downfall of the powerful queen Bav Morda. Seizing all pregnant women in the realm, the evil queen vows to destroy the child when it is born. Now, it doesn't specify if it's going to be a boy or a girl. It just says a child, right? Did I miss that? Right. Yeah. So, this movie starts off very dark. Yes, it does. Because you've got a bunch of pregnant women in cages, and one of them just had her baby. And we find out that the baby, quote unquote, bears the mark, which kind of looks like a pitchfork to me for some reason. And the mother of, starts sobbing because they're going to kill her baby girl. This little girl was just yep. born. Already, this movie is pretty dark. And Disney Plus is worried about depictions of smoking. Really? Right. <laughs> That's what you're worried about. <laughs> I, I think I would rather have my kids watch depictions of smoking than this and some of the stuff that happens in this movie. Um, now the midwife takes the baby out just as Queen Bavmorda comes looking and she definitely looks evil she is just over the top evil queen pointy crown like like a bootleg yeah. Maleficent you know right <laughs> this would this would be your uh, Palpatine Palpatine how you say yeah, it I, I, actually, I actually make that I make that reference later on because she she starts to look like Palpatine before the end of this movie um <laughs> So the midwife, yeah, takes the baby and just runs. Now, and now this, now, now you just get a, like a montage, you know, it's 80s movies, got to have montage. Montage of this midwife taking this baby through the countryside. Don't know where she's going. She's just running. But this must be one long ass trip because the baby's hair has already gotten really long, pretty long by the time they stop. Um, right. But these, they send out the dogs to find them. And these dogs are so weird looking. They look like a cross between like wild boars and dogs or something. It's crazy. It's, it's just wonderful 80s, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, wonderful 80s uh, uh, practical special effects. Yes. Yes. Now, nowadays, I, call these, them, I think I call them troll dogs. <laughs> troll dogs. Okay. Nowadays, these things would have been CG easily. So I still got to give somebody props for actually making them. Well, I think what, if I oh, wish I could remember for sure, I think what they did was they took dogs and they put something over them. Yeah. You know, yeah, to yeah. give them that look. Mm -hmm. That's what I figured they did. Um, yeah. So these dogs find this midwife and the midwife puts the baby on a patch of branches and grass and sends her down the river. Now, I got to say, you know, yep. this was where, like, I started thinking about, uh, you know, the story of baby Moses. You know, put him in the river, let him send him to safety. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, I, I always wonder when people do stuff like this in movies, like, how do you know that that river is not going to lead to a waterfall, like, 20 feet down, 
you know, down the way. You're just going to put this little baby on there and hope. I guess, I guess the, there's the, the chance of the baby surviving is better than knowing it's going to die if you leave it to the dogs. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's what it is. You got to give the chance. Because if this baby is the prophecy, they're going to have luck on their side anyway, supposedly, right. I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> so, but of course, the baby is fine, just kind of gently floating down the river and washes ashore or kind of stops right next to these two little kids who go running off to find their dad, who we find as Willow Warwick Davis. Willow Ulf, Ulfgood? I, I, Ulfgood, yes. Ulfgood, okay. I, a young farmer. A young farmer, yes. Um, Just like a, some certain Skywalker. <laughs> yep, yep. There's definitely some parallels to be had there. Um, so they are Nelvin, I guess. That, 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 that's the race that they call these, you know, I, I thought they'd be like dwarves or something, but they call themselves Nel, Nelwin, I think. I think it's Nelwin. Elwin? Okay, I thought it was Nelwin. In like N E L W Y N. Yeah, I think it just starts with the E. Okay. Um, and the baby. And they they called the baby a, da- a daikini. A daikini. Like, I, I I always want to know who comes up with these names for for you know different races and stuff like that. Uh, but the kids want to keep the baby, but Willow just wants to kind of let it go downstream and forget they ever saw it. Like, yeah, he says, wow. push that baby back down the river. This, this, these are giants who live far away. We uh-huh. can't have this here. Uh huh. But now Willow hears the village prefect coming. I guess he's like kind of like kind of like the mayor. I don't know. Um, and goes to see what's up. He leaves the kids with the baby. Now the prefect wants Willow's land for some reason. Like he wants Willow's crops to fail so he can take Willow's land. He's just yeah. kind of the you know token douchebag character in this movie or at least for this for this first part um yes what what was his name like bruggle cut or something like that burgle cut burgle cut burgle Burgle cut Cut. yeah yep but after the prefect leaves willow's wife finds the baby and they're gonna keep it after he expressly forbid it um now Willow's wife. Yeah, yeah, and she uh she makes Willow hold the baby and the baby stops crying. Uh-huh. And that's when he's like, you know what, I got I got can't do anything to this baby. Well, yeah, I mean, who could anyways? Like who could really want to do something like that to a baby? Um but uh, uh, I guess if it's not your race, I don't I don't know. Now, if it was something like I don't know, like if like if it was Lord of the Rings and you found a baby orc or something like that, yeah, I could totally be like, yeah, kill that thing, you know, go go find a rock or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know finding a baby that looks kind of like you then i don't know um so willow's wife is giving the baby a bath and finds the mark and willow thinks that the baby is a bad omen and he's like oh they're all gonna blame me for whatever bad thing happens to this town it's all gonna be my yeah, fault yeah. <laughs> Now he talks about how tomorrow is a big day. The High Aldwin is going to choose a new apprentice and Willow thinks it's going to be him. Which like, he doesn't really... We, of course, we don't know who the High Aldwin is just yet. Um, but, right. but his wife says something like, oh, he hasn't chosen a new apprentice in years. So this big festival is happening and Willow is doing magic tricks, quote unquote. He's like yep. making a pig disappear and that doesn't end well because, you know, it kind of goes running out from under the stage or running out from 
behind the, the 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 little thing he's standing in front of after after it was supposed to have disappeared. Right. So I, I just have to laugh here because my autocorrect turned high Aldwin into high Baldwin. I'm like, so I guess that would make it Alec. <laughs> Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. Yeah. So um so this high Aldwin shows up and asks the three hopefuls which finger. He holds up one hand like which finger holds the power to control the magic of the world. And yeah. Each of the three hopefuls choose just one of his five fingers, and none of them get it right. And but, but at the same Willow time, Willow hesitates. You can tell he doesn't want to pick a finger. Right, right. But he's like, I got to pick one. So he just picks one, and none of them get it right. So I'm like, so did they have like a one? I guess it was like a one in five chance of getting it right or something. But no, we find out later that it, he, the the high Aldwin was looking for something else. Did you but, recognize the high Aldwin? I did not. Who was he? Uh, you might not have ever seen it. The only thing I've actually seen him in was Masters of the Universe with Dolph no, Lundgren. Never, never seen Masters of the Universe. Uh, keep oh, that God. in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! Upcoming episode. Um, one, uh, one uh, might be a good double feature would be Masters of the Universe and Flash Gordon. <laughs> oh, I've never seen Flash Gordon. I never have either. I just know that song from Queen. I know that there's a you know huge epic battle with a lot of lasers and and Queen playing at the same time. Like I've got to see that. <laughs> okay. Um, but okay. So, anyways, they're they're having this nice festival. But then the dogs from earlier attack, and Willow realizes they are looking for someone's baby. So Willow rushes home to make sure that Kaya, his wife, and the baby are okay. And of course they are. Nothing bad's going to happen to them yet. Um, but you also see a couple other warriors kill some of the dogs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he had to get his daughter out because her daughter, his daughter, was left by herself for a minute. Mm -hmm. He had to get to her. Yeah. So now, <clears throat> town meeting time. Town meeting. Town meeting tonight. Uh, yeah, he, he says we have to take the baby to council. Yes. Yes, and suddenly Willow cares that the baby lives. I guess I guess he's been been kind of warming up to it all this time. Um, now someone has to take the baby away from the village, and Willow gets nominated along with the village prefect, Burglecut. Yep, and a couple others. Well, he I've... didn't want to. Yeah, the High Aldwin made him do it since he right. wanted to throw Willow out there. Right. Um, and there were a couple of the warriors that you were talking about, and one of one of Willow's friends, um, Migosh, I Migosh. think was his name. Yes, Migosh. So as, the they're, mm -hmm, <laughs> as they're leaving the town, oh, High Aldwin yeah. asks Willow which finger he should have pointed at, and Willow says his own. And that's when the guy's like, oh, yes, that's what it is. You lack confidence in yourself. And so Willow wants to be a sorcerer. And he just doesn't really... Yeah, he doesn't have confidence in himself. Um, right. And then the High Aldwin gives him some magic acorns that will turn whatever he throws them at into stone. Right. And Willow's kids are asking him if he's scared of fairies, brownies, dragons, or trolls that will peel his face off. Now, when I heard brownies, <laughs> when I heard brownies, I'm like, what the hell are brownies? Yeah, I love, I love Willow's reaction to trolls, though. He's like, trolls. Yeah, I hate trolls. <laughs> like, that's the one he hates out of those. Yeah, I think I'd rather face trolls than a dragon. 
Um, or I, I think they said the fairies would like put them to sleep for hundreds of years or something like that. Um, now Kaya gives him uh, some of her hair and says that it will bring him good luck. And High Aldwin says that to give, to give the baby to the first daikini you find. And then he, I love this point. He turns, he takes a stone and throws it up into the air and it turns into a bird. And he says to follow the bird. But the bird flies back to your, back to the village. So he just goes, ignore yeah. the bird, follow the river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we get another short little montage of them traveling, this band of Nelwyn traveling. And, you know, while they're traveling, the baby pukes on Burgle Cut and um, <laughs> back to the queen. She needs the baby to perform a ritual that will expel the baby's spirit. Her daughter, Sorsha, played... Yeah, and um, some and General Kale. I mean, this guy's name is General Kale. Really? <laughs> um, maybe that's back before he's got people a badass knew. mask, though. Oh yeah, he's got an awesome mask, a big skull-looking thing, awesome-looking mask. He definitely has bad guy vibes. Um, there's no question of that. But I think I might have come up with a different name than Kale. But you know, this was 1988. <laughs> Not everybody thought Kale was a, a you know the wonderful, most wonderful food ever, like they do today for some reason true <laughs> so and it's dog, spelled slightly different yeah it's spelled k-a-e-l instead of right. k-a-l-e um so now the dogs and the knights are all out hunting the nelwins and the baby um the nelwins you know willow and company reach this crossroads and find a couple of cages with skeletons hanging in them and one holding val kilmer aka mad martigan I eventually just started calling him Mads because I got tired of typing Mad Mardigan every single time. Uh, yeah, I think I, I call it Mardigan, but it's fine. It's okay. weird, though, because it actually is one word. Yeah, it's one word. It's not a, it's not a first and a last name. Right. Um, so, you know, Mad Mardigan's, of course, like, hey, man, get me out of here. He's, he's, he's in remarkably good shape. I don't know how – he must not have been in this cage for very long because he still has a lot of energy. He's not, like, on the brink of death. He's like, hey, give me, can I have some no. water? Get me some water. You know, I'm thirsty. But he, yeah, I was say, he's constantly asking for water, though. <laughs> yeah. So now Burgle Cut and the and is, is like, hey, there's a daikini. Give him the baby. Let's get out of here. But Willow and Migosh yeah. decide to wait and see what other daikini they encounter. Now it's yeah, the next. Like he's in a cage for a reason. Yeah. You want to leave a baby with this person? That's not a very good idea, I don't think. Um. Now, the, um, the next morning, they still have no luck. Mad Mardigan says they may be, there may be a battle somewhere. No sooner does he say that than an army comes marching through this valley. And they of must course. be friendlies because they're not attacking anybody. Um, Willow tries to give the baby to one of the soldiers, but of course, none of them are interested. And one of the soldiers... Yeah, specifically, his friend. Yeah, his name is Eric, and it's spelled A-I-R-K. It's like, yes. so I, I guess to name people in a fantasy setting, you just need to give them a normal name and then find a really <coughs> weird way to spell it. <laughs> I, I, I guess that works. <laughs> like you would be Josh, except it would be spelled uh, G-O-Z-C-H or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could work. Yeah. I love what uh, Mad says to him here, though. What did, what, what did he say? I didn't get his line. He says, I'm going to cut off your head and stick it on a pig pole. Oh, yeah. Is that what he said to Eric? 
Yes. Okay. I love um, that line, especially because it plays in later. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so, um, yeah, then this and this Eric guy's like, yeah, this is you know, Mad Mardigan. He serves no one. He has no loyalty to anyone. He's a thief. He's only in. He only wants what he can get for himself. Um. So later, Mad Mardigan offers to take the baby to some women who know some woman he knows who knows how to take care of babies, and Willow agrees. They let him out of the cage, and he takes off with the va- with the baby. And I'm, at this point, I'm like, Willow is a very poor judge of character. I mean, you have you have no you've been sitting here looking at this guy in a cage for the last day, and been right. hearing all about what a terrible person he is, and now you're just going to decide to you know give him the baby. Okay, I I guess they know they're not going to find anyone else, and they want to get home to their own family. Yeah, I you, know, so. you know what? Maybe we got to risk it. Yeah. Now, as, as, as Mad Mardigan is leaving, he says he gives them his word of honor. I'm like, that doesn't mean much coming from a guy who was just in a crow cage a second ago. So Willow and Migosh are heading back home when Willow starts to question if they did the right thing. And then they hear the baby crying. And the baby is being cared, carried by a bird. And there's a little person riding this bird. And this is when they say, Brownies! I'm like, yep. what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Brownies? That would yep, not fly funny. in 2020. Oh, my God. Like, I, I mean, fortunately, I don't think any of the actors that played brownies were black or, you know, were actually African-Americans. So maybe, uh, maybe they thought it was no, okay. One of them Kevin Pollack. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, one of them was Kevin Pollack, yeah. Okay. So – yeah, now we're getting serious Gulliver's Travels vibes here because Willow and Migosh are tied to the ground, surrounded by brownies. All yep. these little tiny people dressed like, you know, natives of, you know, some jungle area. I don't know. Um, and for some reason, this, this is what got me. I never could figure out, like, everybody in this movie, except Mad Mardigan, has a British accent. But all of these brownies have French accents. Why is that? Cause the, I have no idea. Because <laughs> the very first one you see, he's like, I stole a baby! I stole a baby! And yeah, he sounds very French. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and, for the, and for the rest of the movie, like, why, why, do they, why are they the only ones who have different accents? Um, now, this voice in the sky belongs, the, the, there's a light in the sky, and it's telling the brownies to release um, Willow and Migosh. And the voice belongs to a fairy? I guess, and says that, yes, and says that Elora Dannon, like the yogurt, (laughs) Dannon, the baby, has chosen Willow as her guardian. Now, Willow, Willow must take her to, take her and this wand, which just kind of comes off of a tree, to Finn Rezil, Rezil, I guess, a, a, a sorceress, and she will guide them to the kingdom where a good king and queen will take care of her. And Elora must survive to fulfill her destiny. So yes, you know, typical kind of a fantasy quest setting kind of a thing. Um, now the next morning, Willow wakes up. He wakes up Migosh and says, it's time to go home, but he's not going home. He's taking Elora. Now I gotta say, right. I, I was pretty impressed with the special effects um, around the brownies because you know you can tell they're regular sized people but then this was before we had you know lord of the ring kind of uh 
kind of special effects, and you you know they're in front of a green screen, but it still looks good. I think they're still pretty impressive. Yeah. I think yeah. those do pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> so Willow finds an inn and goes to find some fresh milk for Elora, and he does not get a warm welcome. Like people see him, and they they call him Peck. Like they, that's I guess that's Peck, like a that is like a racist term. Yeah, a racial I slur. For, that's what they say. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a racial slur for the Elwins. Yeah. Now one of the brownies sees a good-looking woman and wants. <laughs> I love this part so much. He wants to use a love potion on her. They call it uh, something like broken hearts, something or other. I forget. Yeah, that sounds about right. But he ends up using it on. It's like it's like a powder. It's like a dust, and he ends up using it on himself instead. And what does he see? He sees a cat. And he starts to fall in love with this cat. Now, ha- now, as I'm watching this, I'm going, I bet this is why Josh wanted me to see this movie. Because he knows I'm a crazy actually cat. Not. <laughs> That's true. I actually, honestly, I had forgotten that scene until I was watching. I was like, oh, Adam's going to love this. <laughs> no. Adam, you know what? That's a, that's a good point. I, uh, for some reason, I've always had, I guess, a fascination with the little people why i love howard the duck and willow and oh, leprechaun okay so and i'm gonna tell you a story i've never told anyone this is a good time that you said that oh okay some friends of mine will know this story but i don't think i've ever told you when i was like three maybe four years old i was with my mom and my brother in like a department store uh-huh and i guess i backed into a little person. So when I turned and looked at them, they're my height, but I know they're an adult. So I freak out and scream. <laughs> and this is the 80s. So my mom and brother, what do they do? They take off in different directions. Just leave me there screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. No way. But, I mean, they came back to me a few minutes later, but they're like, nope, I'm not going to be around this right now. Nope. He can do this screaming on his own. Oh, Lord. and it, I don't know. It seems like ever since, I don't know. I have this fascination. I get my friends know it. They always say that like, if I pick, if I choose in a movie or a book and I put it on a wish list for the, for my wife, she's going to pick it automatically. She knows to pick that. Cause she's like, Oh yeah, he's going to like that. Cause it's got a little, little person somehow. <laughs> I, it's a weird fascination. <laughs> I can't say I've ever had a, like a fascination with little people, uh, but I do remember my first encounter with one. And unfortunately mine was just, God, I was a shitty little kid. Um, Cause I was, I was also at a store with my, like my mom and my aunt and I see this little person and yes, yeah, a person who is my height, but I can tell they're an adult. Yeah. Just like you, but I started laughing at them and my mom, God bless her. She was like, you stop that right now. Which, which is what I would have done well, in that good. situation, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, I agree. Like, little, little kids no, can be... No, was to scream yeah, in yeah. fright. <laughs> See, I, I would say that would, that would be a more acceptable reaction to something, like something a kid doesn't understand, doesn't know how to comprehend it. I, I just immediately... I mean, I don't know if I was being, like, malicious. I just thought it looked funny. I don't know what. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah. That, that was my <laughs> Do first reaction. you remember reaction. how old you were? I probably... I mean, this was when we still lived. This was before we moved up here. So I was less than five years old. I may have been four. Okay. I, I was, I was still pretty little. Okay. Um, 
anyways, so back to, I, the cat. back to the cat. Yeah, this this line, I had to write this down. This is a guy, you know, the little brownie. I, I didn't I didn't write down the brownies' names. There's two of them. I didn't write down their names, but one. But this one, he's like, he falls in love with the cat, and he's like, you're so beautiful. Your eyes, your whiskers. I have to kiss you. <laughs> that's that. That's what I'm gonna say from now on. Whenever I see a cat, uh, I can tell you that that one is the one that was Kevin Pollock. I don't know what his name was. Okay. As the brownie. Okay. And yeah, here was where I made the note. Why are the brownies the only ones in this movie that have French accents instead of British accents? <laughs> um, so Willow is like kind of backing up against the wall because all these big people around him he, do, he doesn't know what to do and then he like falls through this wall it looked like it was like a, 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 a hidden entrance or something because it just kind of like falls in right. he didn't have to like break through it and he finds a woman dressing up a well, he, well first this woman is going on about oh my my husband's gonna be here he's gonna kill you whatever and we see that she is dressing up mad martigan as a woman i guess she's trying to help him escape or something they we, they, they they don't like Yes, it's, they don't. Um, they don't make mention that they were, you know, screwing around. But that's probably what was happening. Oh, that was definitely what's happening. That's why when the husband comes back, they try to pass her him off as a woman. Yes, and when her husband shows up, his name is Lug. <laughs> Lug. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. The the first thing that went through my mind was Hagrid from Harry Potter because he looks just like him, just a big hairy. Guy. He does look like that. He does look like that. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Now he has very low standards because he is painfully interested in Mad Martigan, who is who is trying to pass himself off as Hilda, which yes. no, seeing what Mad Martigan like, he still has a mustache. Like he still got a right. mustache and Lug just is like, Ooh, Hey, like he, like Lug flat out gropes one of, one of quote unquote Hilda's fake boobs and just straight up asks, want a breed? I was like, Oh yeah. my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> that PG. alone, that alone would have gotten this movie a PG 13 rating today. <laughs> that would have been all it took. So now <laughs> all these soldiers come in looking for the baby. Mad Mardigan takes Elora and starts dodging. Well, he starts dodging uh, Lug as the soldiers come in. They're searching for Elora. The soldiers expose Mad Mardigan for being a guy. And I love this part. Yeah. Because Lug sees it. He's like, a man? Or something like, not a woman? Not a woman? And he's he just starts to make a beeline for Mad Mardigan, but then Mad Mardigan just looks at the soldiers and he's like, gentlemen, meet Lug. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah. Um, so now we get kind of a chase scene. Mad Mardigan steals a wagon with, he, he, he steals a wagon. He's still got Alora, still has the baby. And Willow jumps in the back of the wagon as he makes his escape. And soldiers yep. are chasing them and trying to climb aboard as they chase them. This is just, you know, the, the wagon like hits a, hits a log and starts to fall apart. Um, yes. now that, and, and, and the two brownies have survived. They're with them too. So Mad Martigan, after they've kind of given them the slip, sends the horses off without riders so they can escape. And of course, Mad Martigan wants, or sorry, Willow wants Mad Martigan to help. And I yes. love this line because, because earlier, you know, Willow had said something to him about being a mighty sorcerer. And so when he asks for help, Mad Martigan's like, oh, but you're a mighty sorcerer. 
And Willow says, you're a great warrior and a swordsman, and you're ten times bigger than me, stupid. Yep. <laughs> I love that line. Um, now, while they are hiding, Alora kind of grabs Mad's finger, or Mad Mardigan's finger, and you can see he starts to soften a little bit. He's like, oh, this kid's not so bad. Meanwhile, right. meanwhile, back at Evil Queen HQ, she is furious. Bavmorda is furious that they haven't found the baby yet. That's all you get from that scene. Just one scene of her being. Yeah, angry. that's it. I'll just, yep. Now, now they're camping and one of the brownies is dreaming about rats. He's like, ah, rats, rats. He's like kicking and screaming in his sleep. And these, these, these little guys are great comic relief. I thought they were funny. They really are. Um, they really are. Willow decides now would be a good time to try casting a spell with his wand while everybody's asleep. The sound that he makes in this part had me just debilitated for a few minutes. I was laughing so hard at this. I can't even do a good impression because he, he like starts, you know, saying some magic spell and accidentally blows himself up into the tree. And he's just, uh, I can't, I can't even make a, a good, a good impression of the sound. Uh, I definitely couldn't. He's just this shriek. And it's one of the greatest <coughs> shrieks I think I've ever heard in a movie. Um. And the next day, you know, we get more traveling, more traveling montages. Mad, Mad uh, Mardigan is giving Alora black roots to eat, and and Willow throws it away, and and um uh, and Mad Mardigan's like, oh my my mom used to give it to me. It'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> and Willow yep. says, she's the future empress. The last thing she needs is hair on her chest. Hair on her chest. <laughs> <laughs> so they find this island this tiny little island of the sorceress that they're yep. looking for and mads just goes on his way now i don't i don't get this part because willow leaves elora on the shore while he goes out to the island like why didn't he just take her with him it's not like not not like the boat's that small but yeah he leaves he leaves elora with the two brownies and there are a lot of human bones on this little island for starters so maybe it was a yes. good thing he left her behind <laughs> Uh, Willow is about to leave thinking that she's not there when this small rodent, I thought it was a possum or something at first, but I think they it say is she's a possum. A, is, it a, is it a possum? I thought, they, well, I thought later they said it was a muskrat. Um, now this is Finn Raziel and she's been turned into yes. this creature. She's not a human anymore. She was, uh, Bavmorda put a spell on her or something. And, um, I got to say that the special effects, even for this, for this talking animal, are pretty good, pretty decent. I, I liked them. Um, now, Willow needs to use this wand to change her back to her human form. Right. Now, the soldiers come back and take, you know, take everybody into, into, into custody. You know, you know Mad, Mad, they, they found Mad Mardigan, and I guess he told them where they were. Um, yep. So now the soldiers have so a them and the brownies chase after him. Yeah, the brownies chase after him. Um, Willow and Mads are being pulled behind the caravan, and Raziel is trying to teach Willow the spell to change her back while they're walking. Um, and they're all trying to get out of their cage when the two brownies show up. Yeah, I think he changes her into a raven right a ra here. Yes, a yes. He, he, he yeah, messed raven. up the spell okay. and turned Raziel into a bird. Into, I guess it was a raven. Now, one, one, of the, uh, one of the brownies hits Mads with that same uh, dust of broken hearts. That's what it was earlier. 
So I'm guessing oh, now. Okay. So now Mads has to fall in love with somebody, and we know who it's going to be because they, because he and Sorsha, the the Queen's daughter, have been making, you know, Google kind of, right. kind of, uh, um, kind of angry googly eyes at each other for the for this whole time yeah. out there together. <laughs> so um, they're they're looking for Elora. They have to, you know, they break out and they have to find Elora. And Mads goes into the tent where they're keeping her, and then he sees Sorsha asleep on her bed. There it is. That's he's instantly smitten. She, but, but she wakes up as Mad is prof, Mads is professing his love for her, and he's spouting all these cheesy lines, and she's actually falling for it. Like she's like she's got a knife in his throat, and he keeps knife saying, to his throat. Yeah. yeah, and he keeps saying all these dumb cheesy lines, and she's like, uh, uh, um, okay, uh, okay, like she doesn't know what to do. Like like that's all it took to completely rattle her. Her, her loyalties to her mother. Of course, I, she's got serious mommy issues. She wants to do whatever she can to make her mom happy with her. Um, True. So, <laughs> but then, you know, Willow, Elora, and Mads have to make their escape, sledding down the side of this mountain on a shield. Then this is where I'm like, where did they film this movie? Because this is some amazing scenery. Um, it's all <laughs> yeah, snow it really and, you know, ice everywhere, big like ice caves and stuff. Now, as they're sledding, as they're sledding down, Mads falls off the back of the sled. Willow manages to sled into the open door of this small building in a village they find. And then Mads comes rolling into the village like a human snowball. I, that was, I keep making these, I keep saying these Looney Tunes-esque comedy, but that's, we, that's all I can think of is Looney Tunes. Like, all I can think of is like, you know, Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck getting caught in a snowball and being turned into a big snow boulder by the time they reach the bottom. Yeah, that's true. So, so they're the taking the baby hiding in the basement. Yeah, because the soldiers have come searching. They're hiding in the basement of one of these houses. And we find Eric, the same soldier from Eric. earlier. And Mads asks for his help while he's down there. You know, and he says, and then Eric says that he's lost <coughs> half his men to the enemy army. Half of his men. And that was a lot of men earlier. And he lost half of them. Um, so. Yeah. Sorsha comes down searching and Mads takes her at knife point. He has decided yep. that he serves Willow. Like he finally has, he finally has a cause or a, a, a person to fight for. And he says he, that he serves Willow. So they all get on horseback with Sorsha included and make their escape. Now, after they leave, Eric and his few soldiers and the villagers attack these enemy soldiers. And they, take them they, they take them pretty easily i'm like how did you lose half your men to these guys if soldiers or if villagers with like like um staffs and and sticks can take these soldiers down you must not have very good soldiers no um, <laughs> so as they're riding they pass now this is where i saw it and like this this place that they're passing through looks just like the scene from uh, the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Oh, and, okay. Um, so I figured, yeah, that must have been part of New Zealand. Now, Mads and Sorcerer are having a conversation about what he said, and she tries to escape. While they're struggling, they take a brief moment to admire each other, and then she runs away. So you know, like, the seeds of, I guess, young love have been planted or something. <laughs> um, right. But then Willow and Mads finally arrive at Tyr Asleen. The, 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 the castle that they've been looking for. And it's deserted. Yep. Now, there are people... There are people, like, encased in ice or something? 
Like, did I you know, I thought did it was you, like just stone. Oh, it might have been stone. I, but the, were, I, I felt like that. Yeah, they look like people in stones. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, they're all around. I was, I was like, so where did these come? Like, how did this happen? That was kind of like one of the major, one of the plot holes of the movie. I would have liked to have known how it happened. Um, well, I think you're supposed to assume because they already said Willow has these acorns that can turn every anything to stone. Uh-huh. So it's just sorcery of some sort. I mean, you, I think you're supposed to assume Bab Morta. Okay, maybe. Um, so, and then like as they're going, you know, Mads is like, "Where is everybody? This was supposed to be like our 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 saving grace here. Where is everyone?" And then he steps in troll shit, so they yeah. know what they're up against. He finds a bunch of weapons and armor, and then. Yep. Um, Willow tries to turn Raziel back into a human again and only turns her into a goat. Yep. <laughs> now, Mads barricades the door. They see that, you know, the, the, the bad guy soldiers are coming. They barricade the door and Willow is readying the catapults. And uh, while we see, while this is happening, we see that there are still trolls in the castle. Now, Willow, yes. now this was the part that I was like, oh my God, there's no way this movie is PG. Because Willow uses his wand on one of these trolls and it turns into like a brain. That's all I can think of to call it. Because I, looks- I was thinking a brain or like a meat wad from Aqua Teen <laughs> Hunger Force. <laughs> yeah, meat wad. I didn't think about that. That would have been great. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I, I, I watch this now and I'm like, how did this not scare me as a kid? Because I don't remember being scared by this. But this I would have been scared. I'd have been terrified by that when I was if I, when I was a kid, um, and then like, like, like these like two, two heads pop yeah, out of two it. like snake looking heads pop out of it, and he just like kicks it off this little bridge and it lands in this in this like little pond. Um, Turns out that was a mistake. Yeah, that was a big mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is pretty gory for a PG movie. Now, yeah. So when this when this big hydra it turns into this big hydra like monster, and. All, scares all the soldiers away. Then it attacks Willow and Elora, and it eats one of the one of the enemy soldiers, like, like, like Jurassic Park, you know, kind of eating this person. Um, that's a, it's kind of funny when it first grows grows because you know Mads is showing off his sword skills, right? And uh, the soldiers like get scared and run, and he's uh-huh. like, oh, okay. And then it turns out to be the two headed beast thing of, behind him. What do you yeah. call Hydra? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just it just it reminds me of a Hydra. Don't think that's what it really is. Yeah. Um, so now Willow almost falls through the bridge that they're on, but then a troll, but with a troll and then the troll gets eaten and Willow is okay. Mads uses the catapult to throw himself over to where Willow is fighting another troll. He saves Willow and gives him a sword. And and this whole time, Sorsha is watching him fight. She is like down on yeah. the ground. Apparently, the you know she's not at all phased by this giant monster, but she's just enamored with with uh, yes. Mad Mardigan. Mads, yes, yeah. Um, so they, you know, Mads jumps on the back of this monster and he rams his sword through the top of one of the heads. And well, we forgot to mention this monster can breathe fire. Um, oh yeah. So he falls off, and then Sorsha just comes up and kisses him. Like, in the middle of all of this. For some reason, his sword causes the head to explode, which kills the other head, too. So I guess they only had, like, half a brain between them? I don't know. Um, I guess so. <laughs> so, you know, General Kale takes Alora, and just as Eric and his soldiers arrive, and then Mads and Willow ride after him. Sorsha 
Mads and Willow arrive at the castle to find the gate shut. You know, I mean, Bav Morta has got this most stereotypical bad guy castle. It, uh, it like, you know, looks just like something out of Lord of the Rings. Um, and the gate is shut. Eric and his army are planning to attack at first light. Now, right. this queen is not happy when she finds out that Sorsha has betrayed her. And she betrayed her quite, quite easily, I will say. I mean, I would probably be pretty pissed off, too, if I, you know, was an evil king and found out that my, you know, my son betrayed me for this woman he met a day ago or something like that. I'd be pretty right. pissed, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like a fantasy version of uh, a walk in the clouds. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know, if we, I don't know if we mentioned it, but they had one scene with Bad Morta was with her, like, I don't know what you'd call it, her little henchman of some sort uh -huh. who told her that Sorsha would betray her. And she said, my daughter will never betray me. Oh, I missed that. would betray that. me before she would. Oh, you missed that? Yeah, I missed that. I can't remember that. who that little guy walking in the castle with her was, but she says, you would betray me before my daughter would. But of oh. course, <laughs> now it's playing out. Well, got to eat those words. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, so she um, comes out angry, like you say. Mm -hmm. She says, you, you, you think you're warriors? You're not warriors. You're just a bunch of pigs. Right. And she starts, she just starts looking at all the soldiers, all the, you know, Eric and all of his guys out there and saying, pigs, pigs, pigs. Even pigs. Sorsha, you're all pigs. So all of them start turning into pigs. Now, um, Raziel gets Willow to use some kind of protection spell on himself. So he's the only one who doesn't get turned into a pig. And right. Willow tries again to turn Raziel back into a human <laughs> and finally pulls it off. And she's an old lady. I mean, because like when we, first, lady. when we first meet her, she's like, I am a beautiful young woman. I'm like, not with a voice like that, you're not. <laughs> and, and apparently she's been, a, she's been a, uh, an animal for so long, she's forgotten how old she is in human years, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because even she's surprised when she sees how old she is. Yeah. Like in her mind, she was going to be a young, beautiful woman. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now she starts turning the pigs back into people, and Willow has some kind of plan to get inside the castle. Now, Bavmorta has already started this ritual. Like she has the baby up in this, you know, sacrifice chamber, whatever. And right. is, so this ritual is taking forever because she started it <laughs> last night and it's still going today. Um, so she's not too good at it, maybe. Maybe she's not. Maybe, maybe she's. <laughs> I just be great if she's in there with like a, a black magic for dummies book or something like that, trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. Maybe she's just like Willow and trying to figure it out and she keeps getting it wrong every time. But then like she, you know, later she shows that she really does have dark power. She really is good at it. True. Um, now when she looks out, the friendly army is gone. It's just Willow and Raziel standing in front of the castle. Uh, and they start threatening the castle. And of course, the castle doesn't believe them. It's just the two of them. Now, instead of trying to, like, kill them from the wall with an arrow or something, they open the gate and let their soldiers out, which gives Mads and all the remaining soldiers ample time to get inside. They were hiding on horses. They were, they were hiding under some kind of, like, canvas or something. So not even a Trojan horse. <laughs> and, of course, right. now we have an epic battle. Epic battle ensues. Sorsha is leading Willow and Raziel to the chamber where Bav Morta is performing the ritual. And now this is the point, like I said, where I'm like, Bav Morta looks like a female Palpatine. 
She like she's got oh, really okay. dark. She looks worse than she did at the beginning of the movie. She's got really dark. She shirts. really does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So far, Raziel has not done much in this fight, but Mab- Bavmorda like force pushes. That's all I can think to call it as a force push. Sorsha towards a bunch of spikes, but Raziel saves her. And this is like a, a wizard's duel now because, you know, they're like shooting fire and ice back at each other. I guess just to, you know, to, you know, cause of course, um, Raziel is all decked out in white. Bavmorda is all decked out in black. It's, you know, typical force of good and evil. Good versus evil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fire and ice, whatnot. Uh, but Raziel gets uh, like trapped under some rocks or something, but still manages to get the upper hand on Bavmorda. Um, we think we think that she is dead for a second, but she isn't. Now Willow tries to grab Alora while they're fighting, and back outside, Eric is killed by General Kale, and now Mads and Kale have to fight. Eventually, Kale gets run through, but just keeps fighting. Then he gets impaled a second time and is finally thrown from thrown from the castle. Um, Raziel and Bavmorda yes. have now resorted to fist fighting. It was funny, like watching Raziel just pow, pop, <laughs> popping a, a Bavmorda in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, I forget what happens, but we think that Raziel is dead. Um, she gets hit by something, and we think she's dead. But Bavmorda starts to talk to Willow, and he throws one of his magic acorns to try to turn her into stone. But she's able to like reverse the magic. She like catches it in her hand, but she yeah, stops. First she, the... Yeah, she catches it. Yeah, and it goes up her arm like it's uh-huh. gonna work. And then uh-huh. yeah, she yeah, like she said, she reverses it. Yeah. Um... So he still has the Loredana at this point. Right. Right. So he now decides it's... to pull out his old disappearing magic trick Disa- from the beginning of the movie. Pig trick. Yes. To he's going to <laughs> send Alora to a realm where evil cannot touch her. And then when Bavmorda sees that she's gone, she just gets so, I guess she just gets so angry, she like turns into red smoke and gets sucked up out of the top of the room. But of course, Alora is okay. And, and that, that, that's, that's when Willow's like, oh, it was just my disappearing pig trick. Um, <laughs> and now we see, you know, kind of like, kind of like the end of Lord of the Rings. We have a, I keep saying, Lord, I keep talking about Lord of the Rings. That's just like, the, that's become like the golden standard of fantasy films, kind of. Um, He's getting sent back home, and Mads and Sorsha are together, apparently. Like, they're going to raise Alora, I guess. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> that, would, that would make for a very awkward honeymoon. <laughs> but, um, and Willow, of course, receives a warm welcome whenever he gets back home to his village. He turned, and then he, he sees the, uh, the elder, uh, the elder, or the, what was it, Elder Aldwin? Hi, Aldwin. Hi, Aldwin, thank you. Um, yes. He turns a, uh, an apple into a bird, just like the High Aldwin did at the beginning. And then the bird takes a shit on Burgle Cut again. Like, this, this guy is literally there. there just to be shit on. <laughs> yeah, well, he deserved it. Yeah, he was kind of an asshole. Um, and then Willow is reunited with his family and kids. Roll credits. Yep. So, all now in all... Now you've seen Willow. Now, now I've seen Willow. And like I said, it was... Um, I thought it was it was entertaining. I don't know why it's got such a low critic score though. Uh, I didn't see anything that made me go, "Oh, this movie's bad. I don't like this." Um, it's just I mean, it's it's a fantasy story. What do you what do you expect? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's why I thought I had heard that it had bad reviews, and I guess it's the critics I'm thinking of. So, yeah, yeah, it must have. Um, 
Because, yeah, I mean, it's like most of the people I know who like the movie, it's, it's, kind of, it's almost like uh, right up there with Labyrinth for a lot of people. Um, although I've never seen Labyrinth either. Uh, or, the dark, or The Dark Crystal. Those are the movies I think of when I think of 80s fantasy. I think of The NeverEnding Story and The NeverEnding Story Part 2, oh, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. I, think I part love it. Never- yeah. Was it or was it early 90s? Okay. Um, the, I just, the second one was the first one wasn't yeah the first one was like 1984 or something 1985 yeah um the second yeah. one had jonathan brandis jonathan brandis uh bill from the original it oh oh right right i remember that now i remember i remember you saying that now and i remember looking yeah. that up um and then uh, the i never saw the third one but somewhere a long time ago i found a trailer for the third never ending story and it had a very young jack black in it <laughs> oh uh, okay that, that, no that, i don't think i ever saw the third one yeah that alone makes me want to see it <laughs> so that was willow that was our dose of 1980s fantasy for this month we'll have to think of something else. we might have to think, uh, see uh crawl or something again to you know to kind of compare this one to um well so that'd be one i haven't seen so that'll work yeah so to, that is it for this week but tune in next week we are going to be talking about another anime movie it's been like what three four, months, four since, months yeah since It'll i made you watch an anime we get there not not just an anime but any kind of a cartoon not not an american or japanese cartoon but we are going to be talking right. about the 2004 anime epic Steam Boy from um, Katsuhiro Otomo, who is the man who also brought us um, Akira, which is one of the most acclaimed anime movies of all time. Um, So we'll be talking about that next week. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And always remember, whether you're in your car or in your theater, be sure to check your blind spots. You guys take care. We'll see you next time.